Good day, good day, good afternoon. Hello, everybody. Sam just said, I'm Charles and you're Sam, which can, was confusing to me because I believe I'm it's Charles. Because the mic that says Charles Mike, that's that's me. Now, who's Mike? You're Sam Mike. No, th these are mics. Oh, I used to love those uh, old movies and stuff. You just got a wireless like... microphone and mine says when, when I speak, I'm clearly wearing the one that's labeled Charles in our software. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, we're... Um, we're not at our usual location today. Oh yeah, have you noticed that everyone? We have a great setup. We have a desk. We've got all this equipment right here in front of... In front of a giant window facing the side of Cologne Cathedral in Germany. Here, I'll move out of the way so you can see the front. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, look at that. Wow. That's incredible. I just gotta move this garbage can. <laughs> okay. There, that's better. Oh boy. Sam, you're... Oh, here we are. You're tricky. Whoa, wow. Yeah, our amazing. studio has garbage cans. What's wrong with that? Nothing, nothing at all. I think you're kind of blocking the, um, like the water there. Oh yeah. Isn't there like water down there? That's probably, there? probably the river Rhine. I'll right? take a look. Uh... <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, oh, yeah, that is, the, that is the river Rhine down there. Look. So it comes. Here, move out of the way so they can see you down there. They can see the river? Yeah, the river. See? Right down there. I'll see? move my chair. Look. Oh yeah. I bet that's you that's, I bet you it's the Rhine River. I think, wow. I think that's the one actually. So anyway, um, yeah, we didn't we didn't know which river it is. We just got here. We're new. We're new to Cologne. We're new to. Uh, you're not actually new. I, to I just realized technology. I literally know. You know, the only word in German I know is Zettel. Is that even German? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know your family's from Alsace. It means, it means a piece of paper. Right. Or a slip of a, sh a shred of paper. If it's a an scrap, scrap of paper. It, uh, like a post-it note. Yeah, like a post-it note, or a scrap of paper. So if your family were like, it was an occupational name, it would mean like your family of scribes or secretaries or... Or maybe we sell... Notaries. Sell stationery. Stationery. Stationery salespeople. There are still people in parts of the world where there's not a lot of your literacy. Your looks funny today. It's almost like part of your hair is being, is like being edited out by the software. <laughs> what what you software? Look, you look like a... I know. I look very <laughs> aerodynamic. Yeah, you do. More than usual. <laughs> you look a little more windblown than usual. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. Windblown, sure. What are we even talking about? Why are we I doing this, Sam? I was saying earlier that I'm really not in the mood for this today. Because you're more cynical than usual? I'm way more I'm more cynical than usual about uh, mm. the Christendom Church, which Charles has been talking about at our uh, last couple homilies have been very good and very about the end of Christendom and the, the arrival of a new apostolic age. Which we're, of course, grappling to, to come to terms with. Um, and I'm sure you are, too, in many ways, if you have any idea what we're talking about. So if you're a regular church-going Catholic, or you're just somebody who's learning about the faith and wants to know more about the Bible and what God is saying to us, probably both groups of people don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so it's like, I'll take a moment. I think it's worth it, because that's why we put the cathedral like, up there. I like how we have this spiky thing here from... For Zettles. Notes on. For Zettles. For Zettles. This is a Zettle spike right here. Can we put you on a spike someday? <laughs> Maybe when you're martyr, they'll put you Maybe. on a spike like that. Maybe they'll I'm just put kidding. me on a spike. So uh, the word Christendom refers to um, about 1,500 years of history from about the year 400 till about the year 1900 when Christianity was dominant first in the Roman Empire and then in Europe and then wherever the Europeans went around the world. So that wherever Christians were, they tended to be surrounded by fellow Christians. And in fact, until about the year 1500, all were members of the Catholic Church. So anyway, if you're old enough, like me, and I think even a bit like Sam, we're old enough, he's in his 40s, I'm in my late 50s, to remember what it was like 
when everybody in Ontario was still thinking like the norm is to be Christian. Obviously, especially if you're younger or not part of the, the church or what have you, you know that that's not the world we're living in anymore. We all know that. That shift is what we call the shift from Christendom. That's from like the 1970s, it kind of ended. And now we're beginning a new age, which we're calling a new apostolic age. A new apostolic age, apostles meaning the time of Jesus, that age. We're kind of back to that situation where most people around us, a growing number of people around us, no longer believe in or follow Christianity. And I don't want to make, um, I don't want to like idealize or sentimentalize or be too nostalgic for Christendom. It was pretty great. Beautiful cathedrals. Um, you know, a, a basic understanding of, of marriage, family, male and female, etc., and all kinds of things that went with that. But of course, we never lived up to that. So it wasn't as great as sometimes people make it out to have been. Uh, on the other hand, now we're in a more scary time for Christians because we're kind of wondering, how do we fit in? Do we even fit in anymore? Are we allowed to express our beliefs? What will people say if I tell them what I think about marriage, for instance? Obvious example. Um, at the same time, I think it's an exciting time because it's a time to take more risks than we were used to when everybody, everybody was pretty comfortable, which actually ties very much into our study for today. We're going to meet a man who's very subtle in his ways, a, a good man, an honest man, a very, very much steeped in God's law. And all of a sudden, God wants him to do something that involves taking a huge risk with his life. And he says yes. Uh, so that I feel is like a good, ex, a good image for us and a good point of reference for those of us who are in the church who are being asked to, as we said a couple of weeks ago, step outside. Step outside and, and get to know people who are no longer within the physical boundaries of the church and learn about them, meet them, and hopefully share our faith in Jesus with them. That is my five cent version. Is that of the, the background or was that just something? No, else? I just christened him Apostolic Age. I'm trying to figure out how to get this. Oh, there we go. Okay. Are you comfortable yet? I just, I didn't want to be like, always like. Slouched down? Like this. Yeah, that'd be weird. Like, look at the, look at how it's not good. Not a good look. No. Okay. Continue. Go with the backgrounder. Why are you so like that? <laughs> okay. Backgrounder. So this is, this is about when Joseph, we'll hear this passage where Joseph, who's betrothed to get married to Mary, basically engaged to get married to Mary, uh, hears that she is pregnant. It's not him. They haven't started living together. They haven't started their relationship in that intimate way yet. Um, and he's freaking out. How would you feel about the new baby if you were one of Joseph's neighbors or relatives? When you heard that Mary was suddenly pregnant before she went to Joseph to live with Joseph, you might have felt shame that you'd been unfaithful to him. You might have expected Joseph to break off the marriage and go on with his life without Mary, and that chapter would be over. Joseph's life was turned upside down when he heard the news that Mary was with child or pregnant. As a just and faithful man, he was in a, in a kind of an impossible situation. What could he even believe about Mary anymore? How could she have been unfaithful to him, which is what he must have thought at that moment. As everyone expected, though, he was prepared to do the right thing because he was a good man, to protect her from shame. But then something unexpected happens, which we're going to hear about. An angel appears to, J to Joseph in a dream saying, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife and that the unexpected baby is conceived through the Holy Spirit. So in these events that we're going to hear about in just a couple of minutes, Joe, uh, the Holy Spirit is the real leader. He's taking the lead. Um, all these events surrounding Joseph. Joseph knew something about the Holy Spirit through what we would call the Old Testament and what was the Bible of their day, of the Jewish people of that time. Uh, in, the, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament presented as the breath of God, but also he is a person who brings about God's creative power, who inspires prophets. And perhaps most importantly, 
begins God's work of recreating a fallen world and a lost people. So that's really important. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, by the end, we're seeing, some, we're seeing someone who is beginning the work of recreating a fallen world and a lost people. So what's the source of all the trouble? This is a series called The Unexpected Guest. Today, it's The Unexpected Baby. Why is the Holy Spirit bringing trouble by acting in this way? The answer is... It's this the worst kind of unexpected guest. An unexpected baby? Yeah. I don't know. It could be worse. Could it? How about an unexpected home invasion? Yeah, that's that's probably worse. You're right. I don't know. That's kind of what having a baby's like. It's true. <laughs> Bodily home invasion. Okay. A home invader you never get rid of. A kind of parasite. Yeah. This is the baby. He brings confusion and trouble for his mother and for her betrothed Joseph. But the reason for this unexpected baby is that God has a plan for his people. And the plan is simple because the child, Joseph is told, will be known as Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Joseph might have been thinking that. <laughs> so how can we even imagine God's love for us? John 3.16, one of the most famous Bible verses says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. Jesus, who is the Son of God and the Son of Mary, was born into trouble, born making trouble, I would add. His family would have to flee their own country when King Herod heard about this new baby, and he wanted the newborn king killed. And this trouble would end for Jesus on the cross. The baby is, however, not here just to bring trouble, but also to open doors of hope. Look at Joseph. And he's suddenly on this roller coaster of ups and downs, not the quiet life which he probably dreamed of. And yet, he is obedient. He accepts the baby and the baby's mother, his betrothed Mary. And Joseph remembers God's promises and trusts that God has only good planned for him. Jeremiah says in chapter 29 of that book, For I know well the plans I have in mind for you, plans for your welfare and not for woe, so as to give you a future of hope. And this is the same faithful God who sends his Holy Spirit to each one of us. His unexpected message will disrupt our plans, happens to me all the time, and changes our hopes and dreams as well. But just as with Joseph, he's inviting us to trust him, to obey, and to accept his son Jesus. Saying yes to Jesus, coming into our hearts, is the greatest thing we can do. And he will come to dwell with us so that we will know that God is with us. And that's our backgrounder for this week. Looking at Matthew chapter 1. Boom! Boobity baby boom. Jesus, the unexpected guest. The unexpected baby. Reading that actually makes me a little bit excited about Christmas. So. Which is hard to do for both you and me. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you have trouble with Christmas. It's the most overrated holiday. It's not just me who thinks that. I've been telling a lot no, of people I've, that it's I've overrated. Christmas that. overrated. Yeah. Um, especially if you can compare it to like other feast days. Like Easter. Like Easter. Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Yeah. Or even Pentecost. Like I, I, I've always wondered like why do we why do we play religious Christmas songs at Christmas, but not religious Easter songs at Easter. Because there isn't a great repertoire of religious Easter songs. Much bigger than Christmas songs. Really? But not yeah. as familiar. I culturally, just mean, like, right? Culturally, the, yeah. you'd never hear the secular radio station playing religious Easter songs before Easter. About In a Jesus way. Rising from the dead. Sure, sure. We hear lots of them about baby Jesus. Let's talk about that. In All I want for Christmas is you. You're talking to Jesus? That's like the worst Christmas song. Mariah Carey. Blah. We could ask our viewers and listeners <laughs> now, because this is fun. Because I, I don't hate Christmas, but it is overrated. Uh, what is the worst Christmas song that you've heard? So we can have Sam sing it next time. If you pledge $100, he'll sing it. <laughs> you can make money. No, no, we can't do that. Uh, but you can tell oh, us. Oh, no. No, no, no. I take that back. That's only the second worst Christmas song. Oh, really? Song. The worst one is... Wait, 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 wait. Let's have a contest. Guess the worst Christmas song that is right now in Sam's head. Okay. 
and send us in your answers for the worst Christmas song, even worse than All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Can I give them a hint? Not yet. Can I just give them like one lyric? No. No. They'll look it up. All right. People are smart. All right. Yes. Write in. Call us. Just tell us verbally. Email bomb us. us. Throw a rock through a window. Talk to us. Talk to us. Tell us what the worst, according to Sam, what the worst Christmas song of all time is. You'll win a prize. You'll win this relic of Christendom. It's beautiful. The Pieta. No, I'm just kidding. That's Cheryl's. Is it Cheryl's? Yeah. We have one at home. It's really beautiful. Hey, um, it is actually a relic of Christendom. A relic is one way of putting it. It's actually a good way of putting it. It's a reminder. It's great. Uh, but it's also like in the past in a, in a kind of strange way. Anyway, here we go. Holy Spirit, present, here and now. Boom. Okay. Matthew chapter 1. Which version is this? I think, it's, I think it's the New American Bible Revised Edition, which is the American version. Okay. <clears throat> this Are you going to pray first? Oh, yes. Ask the Holy Spirit to kind of addle our brains. Father and Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. God, our Father, we praise and thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful sunshine. Thank you for bringing light into our darkness, the darkness of the world at your incarnation. Thank you, Lord, for unexpectedly arriving here um, to disrupt the world and to disrupt everything um, that uh, everyone thought they knew about religion and about God. And uh, you really did set the earth on on fire. Um, And we are here today because of that fire being spread And we ask you, Lord, to make us your apostles, to make us your missionaries, um, and even more your disciples. Help us to follow you in everything. Help us to let go of our own agenda for the day and to listen to you as we read this gospel passage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took his wife into his home. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with the child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. (laughs) 
Sam just underlined a couple of phrases. So why don't we get started? Actually, I'm going to, I was thinking of the second one that you underlined. So I was with us. Yeah. But when, okay. why don't you start with the other one? All right. One he was want. a righteous man. Um, yeah. I mean, the fact that he was a righteous man was actually a crutch for him at this point, or like not a crutch, a stumbling block. Hmm. Um, because to do the right thing for Joseph at this point, when he thought she had been unfaithful or whatever, obviously would have been a heartbreaking mm-hmm. realization to find out she was with child, knowing it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would have been a, like, it would have been a lot of, felt a lot of betrayal. So he was righteous in the sense that he knew what he had to do was to divorce her, to basically to rid, to get rid of her, get her out of his life. That would have been the right thing to do uh, for him. But he was also righteous in another sense, which is sort of like a merciful because like, I, I guess I see sort of like the righteousness of Joseph is like both a just righteousness in, I need to do the right thing, even though it's painful, mm-hmm. but also in a merciful kind of righteousness, um, which is I'm, I, I'm going to do this in the least painful way possible for her, even though under the law, she maybe deserves it. Mm-hmm unwilling to expose her to shame. The only reason he would be unwilling to expose her to shame is because he loved her and he wanted to show her mercy. Mm-hmm. I just thought um, Joseph is, and I know this is like old news for anyone who knows about Joseph, but he was a very good and holy man. This is just sort of like shows his character mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a, like profoundly. Not, not only was he willing to do the hard, the hard thing, which he believed was right, but also was unwilling to expose her to, to shame, to shame and ostracization and maybe mm-hmm. even stoning or something else. Who knows? Right. It could have gotten worse. I mean, at some yeah. point the people would know, everybody would know she was pregnant, mm-hmm. but yeah. So that's, that's, I just was thinking about basically Joseph's just a great person. example yeah. of the righteousness that comes from God, mm-hmm. both, both just, but, mer- but mercy, justice and mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I like Joseph. He's a good saint. It's my middle name too. So to go, so to go from that righteousness of Joseph, which has both justice and mercy, which is really very deep in the old Testament. Mm -hmm. And he's exemplifying that those virtues, Mm -hmm. which are still essential for Christians, but to go from that to Joseph's acceptance of God's plan, there's a whole, whole other world kind of literally opened up Mm -hmm. in Joseph's dream. It's like, no, actually, that is true. That that doesn't stop being true. The justice and mercy that with which he wants to treat Mary, but there's like, oh, by the way, there's just completely. Here, here's something you haven't thought about that was not not foreseeable, even though it was foretold. Maybe the, I like that. So he was he was red pilled. I hate the Matrix. Okay, is, I'm just gonna say what, I hate the Matrix. That's what people say nowadays. I always hate the Matrix when when somebody somebody is given information that totally yeah, fine, blows their fine, paradigm. Fine. Up. I also heard, hate the word paradigm. There blows their their notion of reality. You can say paradigm. Okay, yeah, fine. Don't, don't it, pay it attention. It blows apart their, their concept of reality. Yeah, yeah. No, it does. It does. Which it, is it, what it does a paradigm is, by the way. It's the word. No, it's not. I know too much about the word paradigm. You want to hear about the word paradigm? No, I don't. I'm going to tell you now. No, don't tell me. Someday anyway, he was red-pilled. Or red-pilled, whatever. So, yes, <laughs> my point is, because that phrase, you just closed my pocket watch. I don't like it. It's very... What? Stupid? I was going to say precocious. Precocious. All right. Of you to have a pocket watch. Whatever. It, yes. Snobbish or something. It's snobbish. I had a wristwatch 
it broke. Then I had another wristwatch, the strap broke. Oh, look at me, I have a pocket watch. Do you have a, do you have a monocle too? <laughs> I put I would. And, and your cane? I do have a cane. Oh, the cane. Now you're just mocking me. me. I'm a... People are here for more than just you mocking me, or me mocking you for that matter. I'm important. I have a pocket watch. Yeah, I check my watch. Oh, yes. I've got it upside me. down. Oh, yes. Uh, I actually was trying to keep track of the time. It's a quarter past two. <laughs> time for tea. <laughs> Call the servants. I had servants when I was a kid, Call okay? The we the had servants. That's the way it worked. In my, the I'm not kidding. We actually did have servants. Anyway. Have the cook prepare our tea. Okay, anyway. I'm, I'm done. That's enough now. So, anyway, the Holy Spirit, whatever, whatever it is, whatever your paradigm is, as Sam would like to put it, I think this is true for Christians today, for me included. Isn't what Joseph believed about his, his, his worldview, wasn't that a paradigm? Or not? Am I using, misusing the word? You're using the word correctly. It's fine. Okay. Right. I just, it's fine. It's good. It explains things to people. Which like, is good. I don't know what the definition of it is. But I don't know what the definition kind of is. That's fine. It comes from a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. Okay. And the guy's this idea of paradigm. So normally, like, scientists are doing things within a certain paradigm. Like, the, the paradigm of... of Archaeology. I was going to say physics. That's the oh, example he uses specifically okay. prior to Galileo. Yeah. And then also during Newton's time, there was a certain view of physics. So Galileo comes along and says, no, actually, the, the earth is moving around the sun. Sh paradigm shift. That's what he, he calls right. it. Well, from one paradigm to the other. And in between, he calls, he refers to the period in between as a revolutionary period in people's worldviews. This is yeah. kind of what the Holy Spirit comes in and does. For a variety of reasons, I think that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but it could be helpful. Okay. So go, for, go, to, go from Newton's version of physics. In Newton's physics, um, you, have, you have a lot of, of brand new knowledge that came into the world through Newton. But Einstein turned that on his head when he ta started to talk about uh, relativity, right? So it's a shift from one paradigm, Newtonian physics, to another paradigm, Einstein's relativistic physics. The details don't matter to what we're talking about. What does matter is that he referred to the period between paradigms as revolutionary. And at that point, you don't know where you stand anymore, which I think does describe Joseph. You don't know where you stand anymore because if the most fundamental things that you know about, in his case, God and reality and yourself are all of a sudden... Well, biology. <laughs> biology, for sure. Right. It's like, what Everybody the heck does babies are made. Yep, yep, including and Joseph. The Holy Spirit and Mary. isn't usually the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, well, it shakes the foundations of everything you thought was true, right? Everything you thought you Hence, believed. Unexpected right? is actually like a, a, an understatement. Yeah. Unexpected baby, but I think what I was focusing on, I'd like to hear what you, why you focus on that is, this really fulfills the words of the prophet Isaiah, which are quoted here: "God is with us." So Matthew, who wrote this passage, is saying that um, this this all took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that is Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name his, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah, who wrote those words, inspired by the same Holy Spirit, did not know what that would mean, but what it does mean, which is what what is great about Christmas, is understanding and experiencing and encountering God in the flesh, which which is who Jesus is. So God is with us. I like the fact that it means two different things. It means some many many more than two, at least two different things. One. He's just like us. He became one of us. There was a song that was on the radio a few years ago, What If God Was One of Us. Do you, does that ring a bell? It's a yes. St stupid song, whatever, right? What if God was one of us? Sing the next line. Just a slob like I actually one like that line. Of us. 
Because baby Jesus Just was a slob. a stranger on a bus yeah. trying to make his way home. Why do you hate that song? Um, I hate it because they use the melody in um, the intro and in the outro. Basically, the melody is like the little, the, the um, what do they call that? Hook? The no. hook. Oh. The, mel- the melody line is the hook, and it just gets too repetitive over okay. the song. I like- if you've heard the song three or four times, it's like, ugh. Right, because you're hearing the same melody, same, same sequence of notes over and over. I think it's meant to be, the song is dreary. What if God was one of us just a, I like that. I like that second line, just a slob like one of us. Maybe Jesus was a slob. It's not a sin to be a slob, right? Can virgin to sin if you're being irresponsible and disobedient, but slob in the sense of just, just like living a life, which he did. Yeah. Right? That's, I think that's the... Well, the... I mean, like, he was a two-year-old at one time. Right. Slopping his food all over the place. Yeah, he was a slob. Teenagers? Oh. You know what teenagers are like. I just hugged the teenager on the weekend, and you told me, don't hug him, he's going to smell. Yeah, I told him it's gross. It'll make you smell. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're all slobs. That's the point. I love that about what actually happened. As incredible as the Old Testament, the whole first part of the Bible, creation, prophets... Amazing events. God saves his people from slavery. All these incredible things, which are still held as the scripture and the only scripture by the Jewish people, which Christians still revere as scripture inspired by God. All that is suddenly blown out of the water, but an entirely new thing where God is with us in the the sense that he's become one of us. But I also like the other meaning, and there are many, many others. The other one I'm connecting with it though is this, he's on your side. He is with you. That's, I love that line. It's a refrain in one of the, one of the worship songs that you do. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Is that right? He is for you. Like he's on your side. That's what, that's the outcome of like the God's plan does not depend on Joseph saying yes in the same way that Mary's yes is fundamental. But Joseph's yes is like the first human reaction to like, all of a sudden my world is blown out of the water. What am I supposed to do here as a devout member of God's people? And and I think this applies to us right now. Because we are in, as we were talking about earlier, we came, we're coming out of this period where these cathedrals were built, which is a long, long time ago, and going out into kind of a whole bunch of new stuff. Some of it's confusing, some of it's bad, some of it's anti-Christian, mostly indifference. Like people sing these songs at Christmas time, but I find it frustrating. For instance, people talk about the holiday season. Well, what's the holiday season? A holiday is when you take a break. Why are you taking a break? Why is there a holiday? Anyway, that's me as a Christian, right? Well, regardless of how I feel, it is the reality of the world I'm living in. And I think that Joseph is waking up to a whole new reality in a way that reminds me of the kind of reality I'm waking up to. And it's hard to do that. It's, it's what, if you look at like the word paradigm, there's a paradigm that's over or ending and kind of over Christendom. There's a new paradigm, new apostolic age, which is like the age began, begun with the birth of coming to the world of Jesus. But right now we're living in, in a, in a, Pope Francis said, this is not an age of change. This is a change of ages. I like that. That's a good summary. And that's really confusing for us on the inside and all of those who are around us and all of us are kind of wondering about whether they can connect with us, which is disturbing and sad because of the loss, but also exciting. And I think Joseph, Joseph is embracing risks that he cannot control anymore. I like controlled risks. You know, ever heard the term a controlled burn? Yeah. You have like a burn pile fire. It's got to be controlled burn so that you're Everything oh, isn't I'm familiar with, with uncontrolled burns. Uncontrolled burns, exactly. That's like the Holy Spirit, as you said you before. Turn your, turn your back for two minutes, and you go back, and 
There goes your bush. Things are out of control. Uh, hopefully, not your bush or your house. Anyway, oh. go ahead. That's my thing. He's with us. Yeah. But for, to get there, it's like the Holy Spirit's going to come in. It's like, Pow. well, yeah. I mean, that statement is like a total shift in. Like it's like you said, this this God is with us statement. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I forget who which I was speaking to a group one time, mm -hmm. and I was talking about how I was talking about one of the things that separates us from other religions, mm -hmm. Christianity from other religions. Um, one of them is that the the belief that God actually be became one of us, sure. that God is with us, is actually sets us apart, right? Mm -hmm. um, and again, he didn't come down just to like, I don't know, like in Greek mythology to sleep with our women and have babies or like, I don't know, enslave us or whatever. We're not just like puppets. Yeah. He came to be one of us to save us from, from within, mm -hmm. from inside our, our troubled race. Mm -hmm. And, um, that makes us really unique. Um, I, I guess, yeah, I was thinking about how paradigm shifts are like almost like a tearing, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, you know, if you put like masking tape on the wall and you leave it too long, like the longer it's there, the more like permanent it becomes. Yep. Right. Um, I was just thinking that this is going to keep buzzing if I don't turn this off. Sorry. Yep. Um, what was I saying about that? A tearing. Oh, a tearing. Yeah. A paradigm shift. Yeah. You leave masking tape on the wall for too long. It gets stuck mm -hmm. there. Then it's like permanent. And then taking it off actually takes the paint off. Yep. I was thinking about how difficult it is to shift a pair like to have that, that that time of revolution is actually really painful mm -hmm. and i know for me um it was we were talking about christendom in the apostolic age mm -hmm. it was painful for me too to realize that yeah so like uh, uh, this this isn't something i just was like oh yeah yeah okay i'm good now like we're christendom's over right mm -hmm. this was like many many years probably almost a decade of transition for me transition i don't mean that kind of transition i, I mean, never know with you i mean like a, the shift the oh, paradigm wow. shift yeah took a long time and it was quite painful for me at times um and here's joseph a righteous jewish man mm -hmm. you know just minding his own business going about his life yeah essentially having the rug pulled out from under him in terms of his understanding of the whole world now he would have been familiar with those for instance with these um what the prophet had said yeah that the virgin will yeah right at the same time the reality of it would have just come like crashing down on him like oh my gosh what first Why of all me? all the all the real life consequences of this i'm i'm now gonna marry a woman who got pregnant some some other way everybody's gonna mm. know all this stuff um right it really turned his life upside down and um so there's a real cost. There's a cost. A real to it. price to be paid. Um, but this this moment, the God is with us moment, is like the the turning point in history. It's the right. Right. I think that's why Christmas is a big deal, because it's the it's the turning point. In the movie, The Lord of the Rings, sorry, in the story, Lord of the Rings, and the movie, yeah, there's the the climactic moment is when the the I'm ring listening. of evil power is destroyed, right? Yeah. And the author of the book, J.R.R. Tolkien, which you don't, you don't get this in the movie at all, but you get this if you read in the, uh, his notes. He's got tons and tons of notes and explanatory books and everything. But the date he chose is March 25th, which mm. as observant uh, viewers and listeners might note is nine months before December 25th. In other words, the date which the Catholic Church calls the Feast of the Annunciation, that is the date when Jesus, when Mary conceives Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says is like foreshadowed in his in his imaginary world by the destruction of this power of evil that the the turning point 
Christmas is a celebration of Jesus, who is God in the flesh, but also the turning point for the whole of history and of all of humanity. So I'm thinking, if especially whether you're Catholic or not, or whether you're a member of the church, a regular church goer or not, this all may sound really strange, but we're kind of on the, Sam and I in particular, and along with a few others, uh, and a growing number of people are like starting to realize, hey, we're not in the world that we grew up in. I think whether you're a church goer or not, you know that. Like, everything's changing so quickly in society. All kinds of strange stuff has been happening the last few years. Um, bad stuff, maybe new opportunities and excitement, but, but whatever it is, change. Like it, Again, Pope Francis says, this is not just an age of change, it is a change of ages. Um, so again, if you're not a Christian, not a follower of Jesus right now, and you're kind of wondering where the heck are we going with this whole society thing or where are you going with your individual life, especially if you've come to like a point where like things are going well, but they're kind of like stuck in a way, the Holy Spirit has plans for you as well. And they're plans that are going to change your paradigm about yourself. And it, honestly, having been a deacon for how long now? Um, 16 years and serving God in different ways before that. And this guy's been in this position for 20 something, 23 years? Almost 24. 24 years, almost 24 years. It's like, it is amazing how things keep changing when the Holy Spirit's in charge. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. And then you said literally it has taken you years to, at least within yourself, reconcile yourself to the new reality that you're, you are in. Like even to begin seeing it. Yeah. Right? Like you, I, I think this is maybe a little different than that, but like it's maybe more, more relatable to like the, the ones that you talked about with physics. Mm -hmm. Like we're in a physical world where the laws of physics are occurring all around us. And it was still painful. Right. right? Like to start, like just to realize that like basically everything you've thought, everything you've been told, everything you like believed is sort of backwards or, or is, is shifting, right. Or has yeah. shifted. And you're just coming to the realization later. The, the, the good thing about Joseph's situation, like yours and ours, I think is if you, if you know the Bible and he knew the old Testament, as a practicing devout Jew, I don't know how well, but but well enough to know, maybe not right away, but later on he could say, actually, this is not the destruction of what God previously revealed. It's the fulfillment. It goes way beyond what, what God had shown us before, but it's not destroying. And that's true, actually, whether you're a believer or not, whatever good, whatever is good and true and beautiful in your life, God placed there. So if you want to take a step to trust Jesus, which is something we're all called to do, trust the Holy Spirit's going to like allow him to take control of your life. He's not going to destroy anything true or good or beautiful. There are sacrifices involved in a change. You have to, sometimes have to sacrifice things that are true and good and beautiful in order to go where the Holy Spirit wants you to go. Joseph would have to sacrifice his good reputation, for instance. Uh, maybe he'd lose business. Maybe he'd lose, you know, his, the opinion of his family and friends, neighbors, etc. Real sacrifices, yes, but, but not for the sake of less, but for the sake of more of whatever's true, good and beautiful. And you don't lose anything that God has given you when you trust the Holy Spirit. You don't lose anything. Nothing good, true, or beautiful is ever lost. God just like elevates it way beyond uh, what was before. And, you know, I'm thinking about how we've literally met people over the years, Sam, who, as they've come to know Jesus and started to connect with us as a, as a community, they look physically different. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? You, yeah. I know we've talked about uh, different people who are now friends of ours. Yep. Uh, like they almost like stand straighter. The struggles don't, are not over by any means, but, but like there's a literally a new person emerging, and that's happening to me and, and you as well. I hope. Yeah, well, I think you met. Didn't you mention it in la last week or the I'm new not creation? Sure. New creation. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's if what I said. If this today, anyone actually. is in yeah. Christ, he is a new creation. Yeah, Galatians six and other. Yeah, I I feel like sometimes mm -hmm. there is a physical 
obvious change, mm -hmm. transformation that takes place in a person. Yeah. And it, it's not like the fact that they smile more or whatever. It's actually like they look different. They almost like radiate. Yeah. You know, an inner a presence yep. that they didn't before. And that's, I think. I've, I've witnessed that multiple times. Not too many times, but. More than once. I can think of like three. Yeah. But I think it keeps happening and not always in ways that are visible to you, necessarily to you or to me. But what I would say is, so for anyone watching or listening, either for yourself or people in your life, your family or your people you love and care for, I, I know I want that for myself and for the people I love and care for, including this guy. Um, but at the same time, the thing with Joseph's situation, which I think is so important is Joseph obeyed and responded, but did not try to take control. And when I wanted people to change, I really wanted like, come on, can't you see? Jesus is the answer, right? I actually think that way a lot. But Joseph was also very patient and, and good at waiting. I think that's one of his gifts that, that is helpful. Uh, this is the season of Advent, technically, in the, in the Catholic Church. So it's the season of waiting expectantly for God to do something great. So not trying to make it happen, especially when it's someone you love and care for. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think we need a lot of patience, especially as Catholics. We need a lot of patience with people around us who like who think we're crazy. We think they're crazy. We're probably all crazy. And the Holy Spirit's the only one who's actually can bring us the truth, who is Jesus. What else would you like to say, Sam? Anything else before no. we wrap up? All right. I would like to say come out on the 21st if you're in the area. Mm -hmm. Next Wednesday, December 21st at 7 p.m. at Sogging Academy, which is on Main Street, beside Wild Wings, Kitty Corner to the Heritage Square. Easy to find. Listen for the, the music. Doors open at 6.30. Doors open at 6.30. It is going to be a time. Yeah. We're really looking forward to it. Light in our darkness, it's called. And it's about a lot of these themes that we've been talking about over the last three or four weeks. Yeah. Right? Yep. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our loving Father, you send your Holy Spirit unexpectedly into our lives to bring us the gift of your Son, Jesus. Help us to be like Joseph, patient, ready to make room ready to let you take control and ready to let you turn our world upside down because you are going to bring goodness and you're going to bring glory uh, through all those who say yes to you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Tell your friends. To tune in to Thursday Night Appetizer on Spotify. See you next week. Or wherever you listen to podcasts or YouTube if you want to see our my facial expressions as I... And our beautiful new location. And our beautiful new location. But we'll be somewhere different next week. So. Ooh. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Traveling the world.